0: I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. My guest today is Charlie Borman, the presenter and travel writer, famed for his let's just do it approach. It's a motto brought to life with his series of long way epic road trips alongside best friend and collaborator, the actor Ewan McGregor. But it was a near fatal crash for Charlie in 2016 that was to teach this dynamic duo the true meaning of friendship and to provide my guest today with his inspiring advice that if you say you're going to do something, then do it. You'll be much happier. Charlie, welcome to Changemakers. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much, it's made- Kein. To, it's uh, a pleasure. I was writing that comment down last night in, in a panic because I hadn't I hadn't filled out the questions that you'd asked me to do. You made the sound very good, basically. Well it does, well, <laughs> it's got
0: it's definitely got the seize the day idea there, hasn't it? Which I think in many respects sums up your image as, as a person of action, as a person that likes to get out there and do things and enjoys
1: the spirit of adventure. where, where, where do you think that comes from? I think well but well, that comment kind of comes a little bit but from you know, when I was younger, I used to be uh, I was obsessed with skiing and off piece skiing and and all that kind of stuff. And and, and whenever you were organising a, a ski holiday with friends, you know, you would start off with ten friends want to do it, and and then and then by the time you go skiing, there's only two of you left because everyone says yeah yeah, yeah I'm going to do it, and then they never do. And so so that used to really piss me off. And so i kind of sort of I think that's sort of been in my head a little bit. And and it's I think it's a bit like anything in life. If you if you if you really really want something, you know, and the motivation is there you'll you'll do it you know, so so it's you know if you really want that car when you're a kid, you'll get out and you'll get a job and you'll get that hundred quid or five hundred quid together to buy it.
0: If you're that person that sat there listening to this show today, thinking, "Yeah, I'm the I'm the person that that signs up to everything and never turns up on the day," what's your advice to them in terms of what's the trigger? What's the tipping point <laughs> that kind of gets you going with the vim and vigor that you've clearly got?
1: Well, I, I don't know. I, th- I think if you, if you sign up to everything and do nothing, eventually people are going to stop asking. Need to come along because they kind of know the question. It's a bit like when you go out with drinks with friends. You know, you, you, there's always that one friend who, who weighs all his ups and stuff, and then decides to, to to choose the best one, and usually ends up doing nothing. I think I think you've always got to find. I think it takes time to be able to find the thing that really turns you on. You know, as a person, and and I, I suppose I got very lucky, and, and and I found motorcycles really, really young, and 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 so that's something that. It always makes you it's, it's quite social it, it, it makes you go out you mm. you know especially during lockdown and stuff like that you could you could get out and, and there was a, a point when when they when they said you could well you could you could go out to two friends or something on a motorbike because you were social distancing because you were you had your helmets on. You you weren't very far away from each other. It's a great piece of meditation, really. You know, when when if you've had a hard day work or or whatever, you jump on the bike and you ride home. You know, because there's no distractions like in a car where you have a telephone, you have a packet of crisps on the on the passenger seat, or listening to the radio, or you inevitably end up on the telephone still working. And so but by the time you rock up at home and you get out of the car and you walk into the house and you open the door and your your girlfriend or wife or kids meet you, you sort of go, shh, shh, I'm on the phone, you know. And so you, you th- there's been no break, you know, <laughs> whereas if you jump on a motorbike or cycle home, by the time you get to the house, you're off the bike, you've forgotten about work and you walk in the house and it's a totally different um, but, but it's me,
0: you are one of life's fidgets, Charlie. I mean, you love doing lots of things. I mean, you've only got to look at your Twitter feed to see everything from bikes to the big stand-up paddleboard adventure. And in preparation for this interview, I was flicking through around the world in 80 days and Jules Verne wrote of, about Phileas Fogg. He said, it seemed just as if the typhoon were a part of his program. Do you see yourself as a living typhoon?
1: I, I I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never really seen myself as an adventurer or whatever. I, I just see myself as, as a guy who loves motorbikes who got lucky, you know? Mm. And, and 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 I think when, when you have a passion, you look for every opportunity to, to do it. And I think, you know, you and I, when we first met each other, we met, um, I was making, I was an actor then and we met on a film set together and, we both had a love of motorbikes and, and and that's kind of sort of where our friendship started. And, you know, and I don't know, 25 years later, we're, we're still talking about motorbikes. I mean, he, we text each other most days, you know, sending each other. There's a great, there's a great website called bring a trailer and, and, you know, there's secondhand second motorcycles and cars and stuff. And we're always firing over photos of bikes or sh- shit that we'd like to buy, you know, but, but from that passion came the, the travel and and that released that kind of wanderlust that I think that a lot of mm. people have in the film industry have, you know, because you're 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 quite nomadic. The nomadic,
0: yeah, the nomadic yeah. adventure, yeah.
1: And and you know, my my father is a film director. I mean, he he a guy called John Borman and he he directed films like Point Blank and Helen Pacific and um, Deliverance, Excalibur. No, he's had some Open big glory. Big hits. Yeah. I mean, some big old, big old movies. And you know, as children, we were always just thrown into them. He said, "Why employ children when I have four free ones?" So <laughs> that that was that was always his. Philosophy. Well, well, I did
0: but- read you had some unattributed roles in things like Alien and others. But but I, I think obviously I want to talk about the Long Way series in in a moment. But just just while you're on your dad, I mean, I, I read that you said that you know your career was mapped out because of that very sort of large father figure in terms of the acting world and. That side of thing. Do you, do you think that, that that helped you in terms of the next steps in terms of moving beyond acting and beyond that kind of world into something very very different in terms of the travel side?
1: I think so. I think. I mean, my father made movies all over the world. You know, from from the South Pacific to South America. You know, South, South Carolina and the and the rivers. And his films were always always really challenging movies always difficult movies to make you know if you look at Excalibur or or Deliverance you know where they they shot the whole movie on a river in rapids basically and so i think he was always quite an adventurous person and then and then when, when, we, when he wasn't making movies, we'd always travel with him as a whole family. So we'd all go off for a year somewhere. Then when he wasn't making movies, we were living in the in the mountains in in Wicklow in Ireland. And and so, you know, I, I had a motorbike from a very young age. I used to strap a, a spare petrol tank on the back of the bike. And I used, used to go off with my mate Kaz. We'd go off into the Wicklow mountains until the petrol ran out and then we'd fill them up again and then we'd ride home. And, and that was kind of, you know, we, we, and we, we didn't really know where we'd go. Mum and dad had no idea sometimes I would just end up back at Kaz's house and spend the night there and, you know, but there was no phone calls. There was no, there was no, it was quite feral at, mm. at, at the time. So I suppose because of dad and the travel and, and stuff like that. And then I'm, I'm tremendously dyslexic as well. And so I really struggled in school. One of the outlets that, that really benefited me in school or, or that I really enjoyed in school was, was, um, was acting. I could do that. It suddenly realized it was where I've been able to sort of, the way I could express myself. And then I left school at 16, quite young. I was making a movie in, in France and, and then it, it it kind of went from there but but then as as the acting got more more important and more sort of successful at, at acting in the in the early 80s and uh, 80s 90s I, I I started to really struggle with with to memorize dialogue and and I I would get terribly stressed by that and and so slowly I I kind of did less and less acting and more and more painting and decorating, which is an actor's second favorite job to do, or second most popular job to do for an actor. And, and so, so the acting came less and, and the painting and decorating and then eventually doing people's houses up became more. So there was like a 10 year period where I, I just wasn't really acting. I was just sort of sustaining myself with, right. with my wife and stuff. So that was quite a difficult period. And then occasionally I'd get a movie. And then one of those movies was The Serpent's Kiss where I met Ewan.
0: Right, so that's what, so is that where, the long way idea came up I mean when when did the I mean obviously we've just had the third long way up which is on Apple TV tell us about where the original inspiration came from because you know you you questioned whether you were an adventurer but I think anybody that's watched that series would say this is a proper adventurer in terms of just (laughs) just what you've done I mean you know an an outstanding series of adventures
1: well I think you and I were kind of slightly accidental travellers you know with that I think both of us from the moment we met we loved motorbikes and, and, and so and we ran motorbike we helped run a motorbike race team in the British superbike series and British superstock about thousand cc bikes and we, we we came first and second in, in that championship with the team so we had a success in that and then we used to do track days together we used to do weekends we, we just used to with, with 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 Roy and Paul and Richard we used to the the five of us used to go off and do all sorts of things on bikes and then I suppose from there we 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 started looking wanting a longer journey a, a bigger journey. You know, okay, so let, let me days. ask
0: you this: when, when did it occur to you that meeting warlords with Kalashnikovs in Kazakhstan might be a really good thing to do?
1: <laughs> but well, okay, so 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 we decided to to do it. We were just going to go down to the South of Spain and meet our family down there. You know, and, and ride back, and then and then then you rang me up one day and he said Charlie got this great idea. He said, "Look," and, and so we went to his house for dinner, and he had this big map of the world on the table, and he said, "Look, instead of going to Spain, why don't we go to China? Because my, my wife was brought up in China, and I thought well, that's a good idea." And so we thought we'd do that, and then you know, funny enough, our both our wives said yes straight away. So <laughs> I'm not sure if they just wanted I'm, to get rid of us. Or, I'm or, just or, I'm anyway. just
0: imagining this moment where you say Marbella's off. Um, <laughs> yeah, my bed's off.
1: But China's on. You know, China's that, okay. on. <laughs> and then we really started to get into it. We thought this would be a brilliant idea. And we, we met this guy online who was Millennium Ride in 2000. And he'd done the Road of Bones. And we were just asking him questions about what it was like to, to travel. And he said, look, if you're going to go this way, you've got to do the Road of Bones in, in Far East Russia. So, and that's kind of been, then we thought, well, if we're going to do the Road of Bones, we'll just go over the Bering Straits. It can't be very far. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we'll go on to, to, to New York. you know. And then I thought, I would any money. And so I thought how am I going to do this? And then someone said to us so why don't you write a book because you know two blokes often an adventure not knowing anything really you you know would make a great book anyway so we sort of did that and that sounded interesting then you and we got a kind of a book deal and then you and i thought well i can't dyslexic i can't write and then you and said i'm not much better and and so you know we thought how are we gonna do this then we thought what we do is we get little video cameras and we do video diaries and then we get someone to help us you know construct the book you know which Mm. which lots and lots of people do and so we thought brilliant idea and then we thought well if we're going to do that we may as well film it and so it kind of Snowboard, well, i mean really. and there's a
0: lovely style to that i mean it's very real in terms of it. i mean i want to touch on the friendship between you both but before i do i mean there is also the fact that there's a common theme of jeopardy i guess in terms of will they make it which i suppose in your latest yes, we've
1: definitely felt that as well <laughs> well i mean it comes across
0: right? i mean I and mean, in your latest series long way up i mean that's Slightly brought to life by electric bikes that might no not go any further than about eighty miles. I, I think was was the was the long distance target you had yeah. for them. There's always a sense of will they, won't they? But I suppose the thing they that everybody says that's watched them that you know whether whether you are a motorbike enthusiast or a travel fan, it is the friendship between yeah. the pair of you. This sort of effusive love of life, this kind of chemistry that is so often commented on it and is so palpable between you. And I mean, tell, tell us about that friendship and and what it what it means to you.
1: I think, you, you know, you and I found each other with, you know, we both had a lot in common. We, we both had our, our first child, which had just been born when we were making this film and the West Coast of Ireland, and, and we both have the love of motorcycles and 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 stuff. So, and we, and we, you know, both actors, and 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 Ewan came up, you know, his uncle is a great actor, and 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 so both of us have sort of milled around that kind of thing, and different, very different upbringings, but but in many ways quite quite similar. And we we just became friends, and and, and mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe the reason I, I don't really know why I, I think there's a number of reasons why Longways became successful. Women's because I think when we first did it. There, there was that there was that wave of people wanting a bit more from their holiday than just sitting on the beach so just at that time sort of adventure holidaying had has was starting to get momentum. And then Ewan and I came along with this kind of adventure holiday type thing. And and we we kind of hit that wave of excitement, you know. I'm uh, loving that you're describing it as a holiday. Oh, adventure holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Well Ewan and I <laughs> but, but, you know we but, both but, said but let's on, but, great, but, you know. but I mean
0: th- there is a kind of you know and you've used the word in the past there's a love between the two of you. There's a real friendship. I mean it's kind of like it, it, it's kind of the sort of thing that I think we've all you know, a lot of people will identify with that. Where you find a kind of fellow traveller, you find a person. I mean, frankly, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean I've got a, I've got a, a great friend that I would see in very similar terms. But and I, I suppose it's, it's often the things that aggravate you about each other as, as much as the things that you sort of like you know you like about each other I mean what, what would you describe as your various strengths and weaknesses as far as
1: it comes yeah. to the,
0: the friendship circle?
1: It's, it's interesting isn't it? because when we, when we first went off on these on these trips, you know people said you know you, you can be great friends but when you go on this adventure you know it might not work your relationship and it might it might fall apart and you hear lots of lots of cases of people going off friends going off on, on these on these on these gap years or, or trips, or whatever they're doing, a month into it or so, they've they've decided that they're going to go their own way, and and it just doesn't work. Mm. And, and lucky enough for you and I, I think it it it, it did. I mean, I, I I think we're both different in character, but we have a we have a similar respect and love for each other, and and we have each other's back all the time. So even if if he thinks I've made a wrong decision or whatever, he'll still he'll go with it you know and, and vice versa is one and, of
0: you the decision taker i
1: mean does one of you say no, we're
0: both right
1: no, and no left turn we, right we both sort of, well well we, uh, we, that's usually just getting lost but I, I i like to think i'm slightly better navigator than you and but i think you'd <laughs> probably say the same thing but i, I used to always annoy you and because because i used to be able to always pack up my 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 tent and everything you know really quickly so i'd pack up all my tent and then you know, he'd be packing his up and he'd look round and I'd be sitting on my bike waiting to go, you know, <laughs> that would always annoy him. And and then on this long way up, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but 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 I, I could never, I could never beat him to to be ready to go. He was always there before. He was always there, so, what he'd learned his lesson. Know? I, I think he. I think he just spent, you know, the mm. twelve years that the gap between the twelve years just practicing. Let it pack more quickly. But, but I think I think the friendship. But, no, but, but go I, I think the friendship. But I think it works. I suppose in the TV show because because it, often in people people put two people together to make a TV show, and these were this was two people who wanted to do this thing together, and and I think it came from a different angle. The great thing about these 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 adventures is, you know, it's not just the A to B, but 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 it's 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 the people that that you meet along the way that that make it really really interesting that's what I was going
0: to say because it it strikes me that look there is an infectious friendship between the two of you you clearly make each other laugh that that is is a, a huge part of the of the show but but similarly the people you meet along the way seem to you know restore your faith in in goodness in kindness in the welcoming part of human nature because you know you you turn up all over the world and somehow you manage to be liked how did you do that right no uh uh,
1: you know we're we're there and we're doing this this adventure that that we were desperate to do and and you know you know and it's so people are interest so interesting and, and 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 as you travel along you you kind of need help sometimes, you know. Mm. And by by realizing that, you know, a lot of people think will well, you know, you say to people we've been to Africa or we're going to wherever, and people go, Oh, that's a dangerous place. And you go, is it? And they go, Oh yeah, terribly dangerous. Have you been there? No. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so you you know people just assume if something happens, let's say in the continent of Africa like something happens in in, I don't know, something happens in Nairobi. And then people go, well, that's Africa. Yeah. You know, and that that takes in, you know, that takes in Northern Africa, Central Africa, Southern Africa. That <laughs> I mean it's a very, very big continent, you know, and, and North Africa is extremely different to South Africa. I mean, they are, they couldn't be any more different, you know, and then so um, so, I, th- I think it's sort of the fear of the unknown that we all are. But when you start to realise and you travel around and you meet people, like for instance, when we were on the long way up, we were looking for a charge um, in the middle of the day and, and we'd be kind of messed up. And we just needed a couple of hours to, to get to where we wanted to go. So we stopped off at this... At this It was quite a touristy town for the first time in quite a long time that we'd been kind of in a built-up sort of area, and we thought we we tried to get into this into this really nice posh restaurant. We thought we'd plug in, have a really nice meal, you know, treat ourselves. Anyway, we should we plugged plugged in, and we, and we and we and we kept we kept plunging the the restaurant into darkness, and then but, but oh, that, the bikes you know, were sort of were, sucking bikes were just sucking the power, <laughs> but not that they take much power really. But but listen, we'll try around the other side of the building, and they. We tried around the other side of the building and then we plunged the whole kitchen into, into darkness and the ovens went off. At that point, they said, oh, well, well, maybe not. And anyway, we ended up in this campsite. There's always power in campsites. And so, so we, were, we, we We plugged into this campsite and we met this couple, this, this one guy from Eastern Europe and one guy from, from and one guy and the, his girlfriend from, from Turkey. And we got chatting to them and and and, and we listened to their story. He, he was in northern Turkey somewhere had stumbled into this town, met met this girl, she's a teacher. And they kind of fell in love with each other, but he had to move on. So he moved on into Istanbul and, and she just, she couldn't take him and he couldn't take. So he kind of went back for it. And then she told her father, who's quite a traditional family, you know, quite, quite strict traditional family in Turkey, as you can imagine. And um, and she said, look, I've got this teaching job in Istanbul. <laughs> anyway. And we were talking to her in South America, and, okay. in Argentina. And I said, oh, I said, As wow. Did. I said, that's yeah. it. So I said, um, so does your father know where you are? And she goes, no. And uh, she he thinks that she's still in Istanbul. And I said, well, they probably know now. But um, but what I loved was that was that these two people were clearly, massively in love with each other. You could see it. Mm. And that she, you know, d- d- despite her, her upbringing, her quite conservative upbringing, you know, she... And quite rightly, like everybody should do is is go in and, and live their live your dream and live your life. You know, as long as you're not hurting other people too much, you, you've got to live your life. Yeah. And there and these two people were living their life. Because we plunged the restaurant into darkness. We luckily ended up in this campsite and met these people, sat and had lunch with them. We bought them lunch and and, and we just had a nice we had a nice time. It's well, it's, well it's, I, it's in I the think show. that's it
0: that's a great vignette of I think the uh, all three of the series in the sense that the, a big part of this is the fascination that you have in other people's lives and their stories and it and it comes through in terms of i guess that circular energy that yeah. you get now one of the things people assume, you know, that there that there's this sort of powerful bond between you and Ewan, which I'm, I'm sure there is. But one of the things you both talked about is that that friendship had slightly drifted because of not yeah. being even on the same continent. And then in 2016, a lot changed. T- tell us what happened. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, after a long way down, you and kind of moved over to LA, and you know he became this, you know, was already this amazing A star actor and, and and stuff, and so he kind of moved over there, loves it over in the states, and and I was over here, and then when, and funny enough. In the first three years of li- living in L.A., he he spent most of his time in, in, in Europe making movies. And, and, and so whenever he came over here to make a movie, I was always off somewhere else. We just we just kept missing each other. And as you say, we just sort of drifted along. together. And then in 2016, I, I was doing some work for Triumph, um, launching their new Tiger 1200, that kind of adventure bike. And I was, we're taking, I was taking a bunch of journalists out um, in Portugal. And, and I, got, I was overtaking a car, and, and the car decided to turn left. And then I got clipped by the car quite a bad crash and then and then and, and luckily just after I clipped the car I hit a wall <laughs> with my legs and really messed them up and, and it's quite funny when you ride motorbikes you need know, fall off the bike your first thing to do is jump up pick up the bike get back on the bike and pretend mm. that nothing's happened you know so I tried to jump up on, 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 on and thing and, and, I, and I looked and I, I couldn't walk on my left leg and I looked down and there just the bottom half of my leg was just sort of flopping around um, in all the wrong directions and, and and blood sort of pouring out everywhere and and so I kind of sat back down but, ooh, this is not and good. And a near-death experience. Well, yeah, I mean, that one was... was that, that was 2016, so I broke both legs quite badly. And I dislocated and broke my right ankle and, and s- destroyed my left tibia and fibula and I had one of those cages around my leg and then I broke my hand as well and I remember sort of waking up the next morning in the hospital you know having had all these operations I had I think 11 hour operation and almost lost the leg and, and all this kind of, and I woke up and, and I look, looked down and I could see two my both my legs were in bandages my hand was in bandage and I'm thinking god this is not good you know I'm, um, you know this is this is really bad and then I noticed there was someone else in the room and I looked over and there was another guy in another bed in the same room and and he was in a much worse state mm-hmm. than, than I was. And anyway, looking over him, and I looked down at myself and my two broken legs, and my broken hand, and I started to laugh. And 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 I started to think, well, actually, you know, this this isn't too bad <laughs> in the well, to, no, circumstances two years to recover i mean
0: mm. alongside this episode i'm also interviewing nick english who you know from yeah. bremont who you oh, he had a and, few crashes you know another another adventure as you say i mean he had he had a plane crash which very sadly cost the life of his his, his father oh, this was a defining moment of his life also when you've you've had two big uh, health scare and a and a and a a crash like this in terms of what that triggered you to do if anything I mean obviously we've got the third series that that kept brought you back together with you and I mean was did it help you double down on things that matter or what was the what was the consequence do you think
1: well I think like Nick I mean Nick Nick broke 32 bones in his body or something like that I mean he was unbelievably lucky to, to stay alive but he has a great positivity about life. And the thing was I had this crash and then two years later when I was sort of just about walking again, I was in Africa. i take these people on motorcycle tours every year through Africa from Cape Town to Victoria Falls on motorbikes. And, and I was doing that one and then I had an even worse crash then. I I just remember waking up in the hospital and on that crash I, I broke my forearm um, quite badly. My left forearm and then I snapped backwards and all the bones came out and the tendons all mm. snapped and that was quite bad. And then I broke my collar back. So I had two plates in, the, in my forearm two plates in my collarbone and I broke my pelvis and then I had a terrible head injury as well I, and, and that's the one where they when they found me and, and my helmet had sort of half come off and was choking me and I'd gone quite purple in the face apparently <laughs> anyway and then and then I broke all, all the ribs on my left side and collapsed my lung and and, and stuff and and brain and then head injury blade but, brain but do swell. Get,
0: do you ever get to a point where you just think enough's enough i mean is that i mean it's always that or is it just something in the nature (laughs) of the person that you just keep on going and putting yourself in those kind of you know sort of risky risky endeavors i guess
1: well i mean i mean for me you know a lot of the therapy to get back was 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 to get back on a motorbike and 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 that was a big focus big big focus for me and and i wanted to get back but the other side of it as well i I think you know when i was on the first accident when i was sitting there looking at these three limbs and and i was feeling very sorry for myself at at that point and you know there, there were moments when you're lying in bed and they're real you know especially at two or three in the morning there's really dark dark times when you know when everything you're waking up there's nothing looking around it's dead silent there's a lot of pain and you think this is just never going to end and, and and those are the, the really hard bits but but i think there's a few there's a few different types of people and, and and i think some people end up with a trauma defining them and often people can't really get past that trauma or or let it go or live with it or whatever and from meeting that guy who was next door to me who was in much worse state i don't think he'd, he'd walk again or and from that point on i thought you know I Actually, I'm all right, you know, and I think that if you can leave it behind and, and, and look forward, that, that's a much healthier way of, of, of looking at things. You, there's nothing you can do about the past. You know, I could have left the hotel a minute later and it would never have happened or I could have done something else and it, and it would never have. But the fact is, is that it did happen Mm. There's nothing you can do about that. Well, so you just well, got to move forward.
0: Well, something you could do something about was you made a long way up. And yeah. a lot of people will, you know, if you if you read the reviews, a lot of people will say, look, this is different to the previous two. There's there's a there's an environmental message, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that you expect in terms of the bonhomie and all of the all of the great banter together, but there's also there's also another message in here about the planet about the future the electric harley davidsons and and so on i mean i'm just sort of wondering i mean do you think that having gone through a moment where your own survival is in question that it 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 puts into perspective other issues about what it's all about
1: yeah i mean I i think you know the the whole electric of it all is is i think it's it's on its way i think the planet has to change at some stage i mean if you just look at the the, you know let's say look at the first lockdown and and you know i was cycling around london and, and i'd never seen the sky so blue and it, it was it smelled completely different you could hear the birds and it was it was better and 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 i suddenly thought god, well, god this is what london could be like if, if if we went as electric as possible you know in cities it makes sense you know i'm, I'm not sitting there being an eco warrior because i think there's a place for everything you know i love my petrol bikes i Love all that. But I I love the electric bikes as well. And and I can see the the, the value in that. And I think when you and I did, you know, long way around, long way down on on motorbikes, those were challenges. If we went on petrol bikes and and just went on petrol bikes again, sure, you could easily do it. And there'd there'd be Mm. no real stress. And I think there's a lot of negativity around electric, I think. And that's partly because because it, people are, are afraid of change. You know, mm. if you look back at, at the times of horse and cart and, and a petrol car came along, people thought it was the devil or thought, oh no, that will never catch on or, or that you you can't, it has no range, you can't go anywhere, you can't get petrol anywhere. You know, so everybody had the range anxiety syndrome then as they do now. And then people said it can't be done. So that was always interesting.
0: I noticed also though, Charlie, that you said it, it gave you a greater appreciation of where you were being on and night like something something situationally different
1: for sure i mean uh, uh, you know the experience of riding the bike alone is is extraordinary because there's no engine you know you have to learn a different way of speed because the pitch of the engine is a big part of your feeling of speed but that's taken away And, and but quickly you forget about the engine and the noise and then you start to realize that you feel much more and this is not trying to be too you know to uh, earthy, you, you do feel much more connected to the ground that you're traveling on. You can mm-hmm. feel the road better because the, the there there is that big vibration is not there. And then you know when you pull over on the side of the road, we pulled over in in, in Argentina on the side of the road. And there was a huge a whole herd of llamas, and 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 they were just standing there and just looking at us because there was no engine noise they, they, they didn't, and they, they were just- They weren't scared off. And they weren't scared off and, and, and they got these beautiful big eyes with big eyelashes. They're very pretty looking. And then Claudio turned up and he had the petrol bike and he turned up and they all buggered off. So it definitely has a thing. It was a great introduction as well, because you'd stop with people and you'd need charges. You need to get power from people. And you would stop and you would say, look, do you mind if we plug in? And they go, oh, no, what are you doing? You go, we're, we're doing it this trip and they want on electric bikes. And they go, wow. And then they said, "Um, what kind of bikes is it? And we said, well, they're they're Harley Davidsons. And then they start to laugh. Got go, what, Harley Davidsons? You know, so and, it, I was, know, it, it was, it was amazing
0: break. to see them. I mean, because, of course, you expect them to be very different because they're good-looking good, good bites. I mean, from... Yeah, 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 so, yeah. But, and they work. But just a last question, if I may. I mean, Vanity Fair described Long Way Up as the perfect antidote to quarantine bleeds, mainly because... did. It? Oh, yeah, it did. They looked at it as sort of... Talked about this kind of like, you know, obviously the the vibrant, you know, sort of journey, the adventure. And it got me thinking about, well, what does the post-lockdown adventure look like? I was going through your Twitter feed. You retweeted something. You said, feeling inspired to plan a little adventure. Screw that. When lockdown's over, I'm going to on a big adventure. So my question, <laughs> the last one to you, is what's next?
1: Oh, well... I, um, when I sign up with you, I'm going paddleboarding because it's such a beautiful day. But I've, there's a few things coming up. I'm, I'm a big fan of cooking, and, and so there's this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do this sort of adventure travel thing with cooking, um, all around Britain and Ireland. So, uh, so that's coming out quite soon, and, and that combines everything combines motorcycles and travel and people and and people who make and the, fr- beautiful and the frying juice and a frying pan and the people who do the most incredible things. And we talk about airplanes and, and travel and stuff, but it's, it's interesting that, that I've got a great farmer friend of mine up in Scotland. And he said, look, if we, if we really knuckle down, you, you know, Britain can easily self sustain itself in beef and in, in vegetables and in, in all this stuff. So part of that, I'm going to go and have a look around and see see these fabulous people who are doing like amazing, amazing things. And
0: Is there another long way on the, on the way?
1: Well, I think, you know, when you do these big trips, when you get to the end of them, you're, you're super excited to go home. Home and, and and see your family and friends and, and get back into the thing but 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 another part of you if someone said oh look i think we, we should you should go back the way you came you go okay and and so so always towards the end of a, a big a big project or big adventure you, you know we start talking about doing another one which makes it easier to stop them on your own uh-huh. so um so we, we, we we're talking about Long Way Down Under or Long Way Scandinavia or, you know, I think there's another couple in this. I think I think maybe we started talking about Long Way Down Under. So, I mean, who knows?
0: Well, watch this space. Charlie Borman, the adventure continues. Thank you very much for joining me okay. on Changemakers.
1: All right. Thank you very much, guys. Have a lovely one.
0: Changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm, Seven Hills, and presented by me, Michael Heyman. Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack, and it's written and performed by the brilliant BT Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works, and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating?